Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. We'll be looking in Exodus chapter 20. As we, consider to, as we continue to consider the Ten Commandments, we are coming to the, uh, the end of the Ten Commandments. We are on uh, commandment number nine. Commandment number nine. So just uh, if you're good at math, which as we found out last week, I am not, then you will know that we only have one more after today. So uh, we continue on with verse 16. Verse 16. Exodus 20, verse 16. And we read this. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We know that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce between soul and spirit of joints and marrow, even dividing the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So before we consider this passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray this morning as we consider your word that you would send your Holy Spirit among us, that you would give us understanding and retention, that you would give us... Um, uh, you, would, you would help our attention span, Lord, that we'd be able to, uh, to focus this morning as we consider your words. We pray, uh, Father, that we would confess that these are words of life, that by your word you were able to build your church, you were able to sanctify us, you were able to sustain us. And so we pray this morning that you would help us as we trust in you. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness. I believe it was Mark Twain that said a lie can get up and go all the way around the world before truth ever has a chance to put his pants on. And isn't that true for us today, that when we think about uh, truth and lies, we uh, live in a world that uh, has undermined truth. Uh, this postmodernism has come in and said that we can't know truth, that truth is objective. And so sometimes you hear politicians talking about their truth and our truth as if they're two different things. We live in a day and age where the term fake news is a thing because apparently we can't even trust our news to give us truth. Because all these, uh, we live in a day and age of social media where it's very easy to put something out there and claim it to be true and you and I share it and have to come back later and realize, oh, wait, that's not true. We live in a day of lies. And here we see in Scripture, God forbids us, you and I, as believers, from speaking falsely against our neighbors. The whole Scripture shows us that God is not the father of lies. Instead, his people are to be people of truth. And so today, we really have two goals. We as believers are commanded by this scripture to, to not speak falsely and instead to speak truthfully. And so today we're going to look at two things that this commandment entails. Two, uh, two lessons that this commandment entails. As we think about lying, we find that uh, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to fudge the truth. It's not hard to add a little bit of embellishment here. Just recently, Knox and I went fishing, and he caught his first fish, and I was so excited. We went, uh, me and my brother and uh, his son, who's a little bit younger than Knox, and Knox went, and uh, we had tried before at Granny Trudy's. We had gone out there, but you know Knox. He barely sits still for anything, so about two or three casts, and there was no fish, and he was ready to go home. That's enough for him, right? 
He wanted to do something else, especially when you have a whole farm of cows and chickens and ducks and everything else to look at. It's hard to wait for fish. But it just so happened that this past weekend when we went to my parents, we went just at the right time, and it seemed like every time we threw that, that, that bait in there, a fish took hold. And so Knox caught him two fish. And so I was so proud of him. Took a picture, put it on Facebook. Maybe you saw that. And then we went home and I said, why don't you tell Grandma what you did? And Knox said, Grandma, I caught a fish. She said, how big was the fish? I didn't teach my son this, but you know what he did? He said, it was this big. And then he said, and then we caught some this big and we caught some medium fish. And I thought, how did he, how did he know to embellish that story a little bit? Did I, I didn't teach him that. Well, it's not hard to lie. In fact, what we find is that many of us can very easily embellish the truth here, sprinkle in a little bit there, and sometimes, sometimes we tell outright lies. Right, uh, right after we had moved uh, down, actually before we had moved down here, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Nashville, and, and I'm always picking with her, and one of my favorite things I used to do to her is I'd call her randomly and say, hey, how's your day been? And she began talking, I'd hang up. And I'd call her back and say, sorry, I lost service. And she'd start again, and I'd hang up again. And about the third time, she'd realize I was just messing with her, right? And so I'd, I'd do stuff like that. And, and randomly, I, I didn't even think about it. Uh, but one time, she asked me what I was doing that summer. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm working at a hog farm. Just randomly. Said I was working at a hog farm. Told her all about it. And she was like, well, that's, that's odd. I was like, yeah, it's, it's odd, but it's what I'm doing. I wasn't working at a hog farm. And I forgot about it. I mean, I completely forgot about it. Then right after we moved down here, and we started, we started uh, you know, I was pastoring here and everything. I have another mutual friend that lives up there. And, and she turned to him and she said, how is he, is he still working at a hog farm and pastoring at the same time? This is about a year and a half later, two years later. I would said it without thinking about it. And so they called me. And what was weird is that was right after we had a hog killing. And so I had sent some of the pictures to her as well, which further, further, the, the, you know, bolstered the lie a little bit. And she called and she said, are you working on a hog farm? I said, what are you talking about? And she said, you've been working on a hog farm, haven't you? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't been working on a hog farm. Do I look like I work at a hog farm? And sure enough, she had believed for two years because of one little statement I had said. Now that may talk more about her uh, gullibleness, right? But it's true how easy it is to believe a lie, to bite it, hook, line, and sinker. And some lies are more harmless than others, right? Sometimes we joke and we tell maybe a, a little white lie here and there. But what this commandment shows us is that God is the father of truth, and therefore all of our speech ought to be seasoned with truth. So let's talk about not bearing false witness. We have to first understand maybe the context of this commandment. Uh, so we continue on through the law. We see that this commandment is very important, that idea of, of bearing false witness. In fact, if we, if we lived in ancient Jerusalem, if we lived in ancient Israel, and we uh, witnessed a crime, there must be two witnesses there, two credible witnesses there, in order to enact the death penalty. And so if you and I witnessed a murder, we must both come forward with our testimony and other, for the murderer to be put to death. And so what this commandment is first talking about is in the court of law, you as the people of God should not bear false witness, especially when your words carry the power of life and death. In other words, as we fast forward in Israel's history and we see the story of Jezebel 
and her husband, we see uh, that, oh, her husband just, uh, he just wanted that, that vineyard so bad. Naboth's vineyard was out there and he wanted it, he desired it. And he came to Naboth and he said, give me that. Give me, give me that uh, vineyard. And Naboth said, King Ahaz, I, I can't, I can't, this is my family land. We've had it for so many years. I'm not going to give you this, this vineyard. So what did Ahaz do? He went back to the palace and he pouted. And he cried and he cried and he cried. And his wife Jezebel came in and Jezebel said, what are you crying for? And he said, oh, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. And Jezebel said, you're the king. Take it from him. So what did they do? They invited Naboth to the palace. Had a big feast for him. In the middle of the feast, one man on the right stood up and said, Naboth was cursing the king and cursing God. And the other man on the other side said, I heard it too. Two witnesses. And Naboth was put to death. This commandment is, is, is forbidding that right there specifically. That within the court of law, when our words carry life and death, we must make sure we speak truthfully. But this commandment isn't only speaking of in the courtroom, in the court setting. This commandment is speaking of our everyday lives. How do we control our tongue? James is going to come along in the New Testament and tell us that the tongue is, is a great fire and can ravish worlds and nations and countries. That our, our tongues are like the udder of a ship. Uh, it's small, but it leads it in whatever direction. And our tongues can be, uh, can be overcome, and it's hard to master them. And here, we see the same thing. So how, how, what does this command forbid? Well, the commandment first, it forbids all speaking falsely, and that begins with lies. That begins with lies. We as believers should not tell lies. We should not live as people who lie. In fact, when we look at Scripture, we understand that it's Satan who is the father of lies. We go back to Genesis 3, and we see the very first lie came from the father of lies. And you and I show our parentage by the way we speak. Maybe, maybe this is true for you. It seems like when I go on a family, uh, it comes Christmas time, we gather with family, uh, we come to my wife's family's house, and they don't speak English. It's some form of English. They speak Worshamese. I don't know if maybe that's the same for you. They have their own lingo. They have their own jokes. They have their own words. They, they have these little specific things that they all say. So it's always funny. I, I try to cut them off. One of the phrases that all their family says, it starts with their, their father, and it goes down to all the daughters. If they hear something uh, you know, that they don't like, they say, oh, good grief. And so I try to cut them off a little bit. They'll say something, and I'll say, oh, good grief, right before them. You know? that's, a, that's a worship thing. That, that's one thing they do. And, and maybe your family has something like that. And you can pinpoint things. George will say things, and I'll say, that's exactly what your mom would say. Or that's exactly what your daddy would say. And I have things like that that my parents say, and I pick up on them, and, and, and phrases that we use, and maybe, maybe your parents have always used a phrase wrong, and you didn't realize they used it wrong, and so you started using it wrong. Uh, I remember I have an aunt named Emma, and my whole family, my dad calls her Emmer, and I didn't think, I didn't know her name wasn't Emmer, and so I just called her Aunt Emmer for the longest time, and then I was, oh, her, her name is Emma, right? Maybe you have stuff like that that marks you as your parents' children. Well, the same is true here. If we are our parents' children, then our words are going to match up. And Satan is the father of lies. And so if we, as people, live in lies, and we are compulsive liars, and we are fine with lying, and we lie willy-nilly, then we show our parentage. We show that our father is Satan, and we follow him as such. 
But this commandment forbids this. This commandment leads away from that. It says that instead we are children of the light. We are children of the truth. We instead follow the Lord. So we do not lie. Well, maybe you think, I don't have a problem with lying. Well, maybe not outright lying. But every one of us struggles with something. And within this command not to lie, we find that it's also a commandment not to gossip. And how many times has a church been torn asunder because of gossip and lies? We call them prayer requests. But often our prayer requests turn into gossip. Our prayer requests turn into lies. Our prayer requests, often these things that we want to share with other people, make us look really good and make others look really bad. Gossip. We live in the South. If there's one thing that the South is known for, it's gossip, right? We love gossiping. We love hearing that juicy bit of news. We love being in the know. We love uh, this idea of knowing other people's businesses, right? Gossip ends up breaking the ninth commandment. Gossip. How hard is it, though, to say, this is not a topic we should talk about. This is not something that we need to say. One good rule when we talk about gossip is ask the question, if that person knew that you were talking about this, would they be happy that you were telling this? Or would they not be happy you were telling this? We have to be careful because we are. We are a group of people who have our, our lives are invested together. We, we believe that. And sometimes we do need to know each other's business because we're a church. Sometimes we do need to know what's going on. So we can indeed pray. Sometimes we do need to know these things. But there's a fine line there. If I'm going to tell this about so-and-so so that I look better and they look worse. How are our words being used to build up instead of tear down? Gossip. But not just gossip, exaggeration. Exaggeration. We always, we, we knew a guy when I was growing up and, and uh, boy, every story he had was over the top. Every story he had, he was, he was the hero of the story. Uh, if you had asked him, he would have played D1 ball at every school and every sport. I mean, he was that guy. Everything was so exaggerated. Everything was so over the top. And it got to where we knew that everything he said was a lie. And we also were halfway convinced that he believed those lies. And often we can do the same. Why do we exaggerate? Why do we add to? Well, it often stems from a desire to make ourselves look better. We want ourselves to look better, and so we've got to fudge the line a little bit. We've got to, we've got to, we have to even the scale out a little bit. So we have to ask the question, why do we do these things? Why do we lie? Why do we gossip? Why do we exaggerate? The bottom line is that you and I are filled with sin. That you and I are sinners. That we, we are broken individuals. That we are corrupted by sin. That we have hearts that are wicked. And that we, we as people, we need someone who can help us keep this commandment. Because God tells us not to lie and you and I can't help but to lie. But not only does this commandment tell us not to lie, this commandment also is in the positive. If we are not to bear false witness, we ought to instead bear true witness. So not only does this command forbid speaking falsely, but this command encourages speaking truthfully. So how can we speak truthfully? 
Well, there are many ways that we can speak truthfully. The first one is that we ought to be, speak truth in our worship. We ought to speak truth in our worship. Often you may hear the idea of, well, I don't, I don't, need, to know, I don't need to know theology. I just, I, just wanna, I just have a relationship with Jesus, and that's good enough. Well, the problem is, is that theology is thoughts about God, thinking about God, the study of God. And the Bible tells us that we ought to know God in truth. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we must speak true when we worship. We want to make sure that we are worshiping the true biblical God, the one that has been revealed to us from the scriptures, not one that we've created ourselves. Not only that, but when we worship, we often worship by not understanding what we're doing. How many times have we stood and we sang at the end of an invitation, I surrender all, only to cling tightly to the idols that we have in our hearts? That's not speaking truthfully. That's not worshiping in truth. We worship by believing what we say, by acting out what we say. How often do we lie when we sing our hymns? Because the words are coming out of our mouth, but they're not seeping into our heart. How often do we lie when we look to our neighbor and, and we say, I'm going to pray for you, and the prayer never comes? How often do we lie when we come together in worship service and we act like we have it all together, we act like we're super Christians, we act like we've had the best week in the world, and all the while we have been living in sin, loving our sin, and we barely made it here on time? No, we, we must not lie. This is a place of truth. And so we come showing our brokenness. We come showing our need for repentance. We come seeking the Lord who actually changes lives. We must be true in our worship. Not only should we be true in our worship, we ought to be true in our relationships. We ought to be true in the way that we, we love one another. Do we, do we love our family? Do we love our children? Then we're true with them. We, we tell the truth to them. We live the truth to them. We don't try to paint a world for them that is not true. No, we speak truth. We are God's people, and he is the God of all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if Jesus is the truth, and if all truth is God's truth, then we must not be afraid of truth. Sometimes truth hurts. We know but as people of truth and serving a God of truth, we can be true with one another, true in our relationships. And if this commandment encourages us to be true witnesses and to speak truth and to love truth, then the best way that we can do that is if we are true in the way that we speak to people. We can seek their benefit. The best way that we keep this ninth commandment is when we share the true gospel with people. Not a false gospel, a true gospel. Many of us, we, we, we desire that, that other people would come to know Jesus, and we end up giving them a half gospel to get them in the door. We, we, we brush over the hard points of the gospel. The gospel has some hard points. In fact, it begins with the fact that you and I are sinners, that we are hopelessly sinners, and that without the gospel of Jesus, we cannot be saved. And we don't want to emphasize sin. No, we don't want to do that because that may chase someone away, and so we give them a half gospel. Well, the problem is, is that a half gospel cannot save, and a half truth is no better than a lie. And so we truly speak the gospel to people, and we love our neighbor. And so because we love our neighbor, we do indeed speak the truth of the scriptures to them. You and I have the cure 
and we give it to our friends and our family. We speak truth and evangelism. This commandment forbids speaking falsely. This commandment encourages speaking truthfully. But last but not least, this commandment points to the truth. Why should we care about truth? We, we live in a world inundated by lie. And so why, why should we be any different? Why can't we continue on? Why can't we share that Facebook post that makes our politician look good and the other politician look bad? Why can't we share that rumor that makes our coworker look bad and us look good? Why can't we do those things? We can't do those things because you and I are children of the truth. Christ is the truth. Christ tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are convinced that we cannot not sin. That we cannot keep this commandment. That we cannot keep it perfectly in a way that merits salvation. But Christ can. There was never a time, from the time that he was born to the time that he died and resurrected and now seats at his father's right hand, there was never a time that a false thought entered Jesus' head. There was never a time that a false statement came forth from his lips. No, he is the truth. When Jesus spoke, it was true. When Jesus spoke, it was right. Jesus did all things well. We show who we are by our identification. Who do we identify with? Do we line up with the father of lies or do we line up with Christ, the true one, the faithful and true one? This commandment points us to Jesus and tells us that even when you and I lie, even when you and I gossip, even when you and I exaggerate, we are able to come to a Jesus who knows us truthfully, knows every aspect of us, and loves us and saves us. So we follow Christ. But it's not just that we follow Christ and he is true, and that's not, that's not the only reason why we are concerned about truth. We are concerned about truth because we are told in the scriptures that truth brings freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so we are told that living, living life, loving lies, is a half-life. But understanding the truth... Understanding the God who sent the truth, understanding Christ in his redemptive work on our behalf, understanding how to live with one another by speaking true and guarding our words and guarding our heart. That is what leads to true eternal life. And that is freedom. It's hard. It's hard to confess some things about ourselves. Why do we exaggerate? Why do we gossip? Why do we lie? Because it's hard to confess that you and I are fallen sinners. It's hard to confess that you and I struggle with sin. It's hard to confess the, the, the ways in which our heart is corrupted. But until we do so, then there is no freedom. We are shackled to sin. We are shackled to lies. And we are shackled to Satan until we confess our sins. But if we confess our sins, we are told that Jesus Christ, the true and faithful one, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So the question for us is how does this change our life tomorrow morning? Monday morning, the alarm clock will go off. Monday morning, you'll roll out of bed. Monday morning, you'll go about your life. And the question for us is how does this commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, how does it 
affect our life? Well, first off, we have to ask the question, who is my neighbor, right? That's what the Pharisees asked in the New Testament. Who is my neighbor? Seeking to justify themselves, we can say, all right, I will not bear false witness against those I like, but instead, the Bible tells us that our neighbor is more than just the person living next to us. What this means for us is that when we go to work Monday, when we deal with people Monday, when we deal with our family Monday, that everything that we do must be surrounded by truth. That we must speak rightly. And we must think rightly. We must share the gospel of truth rightly. We must trust in the Jesus who is true in the best way we possibly can. Because we know that this is, this is the way to freedom. Trusting in Jesus, repenting of our sins, this is the gospel of truth. This commandment forbids speaking falsely. This commandment encourages us to speak truthfully, and this commandment points to the truth who died to set us free. This morning, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to reject lies and to trust in the truth. Today is the day where we repent of our sins. Maybe today is the day that you call your friend, your family member, and you confess the truth to them. As we are confident that the truth will set us free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to love your truth. Help us to reject falsehood. Help us, Lord, instead to trust in you who saves, who sustains, and who keeps us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.